If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 12 is where our Bible study time will be today. You might pull out your notes from your bulletin so that you can follow along. If you're joining us online, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. If you're listening at some point during the week, thanks for tuning in to our uh, podcast during the week. We've been in a series called Supernatural. We're in the fourth week of this series. We've been trying to learn how to capture the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might live with a deeper connection to God, so that we might live with more of God in our life and more of an awareness of who God is in our life. The first week of the series, we found ourselves sitting with Jesus the night before he would be betrayed, the day before he would be crucified, hearing him tell his disciples that after three years of spending every day with them, he was leaving and he was going to go to heaven But they were going to be okay because the Holy Spirit who was in heaven would be leaving heaven and he would be coming to them. He said, I'm leaving, but you won't be alone because the Holy Spirit will be with you. Then he taught them the Holy Spirit would be better for them than he was in their life on a daily basis because he could be in all of them in all places with everyone all at once. He taught them that the Holy Spirit would speak to them. He used to speak to their ears with his voice. But he said, the Holy Spirit will tell you everything I say. The things I say to you in heaven, he'll tell you on earth. He'll speak to your heart. And the Holy Spirit will be the one who connects you to God. I'm leaving, but the Holy Spirit's coming so you don't have to be afraid. And the second week, we said, who is the Holy Spirit? We want to know what he does. We want to know how we hear him. But who is the Holy Spirit? So we learned that the Holy Spirit was a person. We learned that the Holy Spirit was God, the third member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We learned that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work, accomplishes the work of salvation, that he's the one who speaks to our hearts about our sin and our ability to be connected to God and about the reality of forgiveness. And then the Holy Spirit comes on us when we give our lives to Jesus and he implants fruit and he implants gifts for us to use to serve. That's what last week was about. Pastor Dan Sutherland was here and he introduced us to the Holy Spirit as the one who helps us serve God through the gifts that he has given to us for other people. And he said this at the end of his message. I was listening to his message Monday, driving to an appointment in Overland Park. And when he said it, I just wanted to stop my car and say, amen, because it was one of the most powerful things that I ever heard. And it so resonated with my heart. He said, the power and the impact of Journey Church won't be at its greatest when everyone in Lee Summit comes to Journey Church. Instead, it will be when everyone at Journey Church goes into Lee Summit as a pastor and a priest and a minister speaking to them about the things that God is speaking to us about. And I thought, yes, that is the hope of our church and our community. Not that all of our community would come to our church, but that all of our church would go into our community and tell them about Jesus. Most of us hear that and think, yes, that's what should happen. But how does that happen? How is that even possible? The answer is the Holy Spirit which is why we've been learning some basic theology. It's why we've been learning his purpose in our life. It's why we've been learning just a little bit about why he gives us gifts. I think we've probably been too light on teaching about the spiritual gifts in this series. I think next week or next year, I'll take a year, a month or six weeks and I'll teach a whole series just on the spiritual gifts so you can understand those a little bit more, give you a chance to take a spiritual gifts inventory to figure out the gifts that you have. That will come next year. We wanted you to know why he gives them more than what they were through this series. Next week, we'll talk about the fruit he produces, how you can know how much of the Holy Spirit is really in your life and how much of him you're showing to the world, all because we want to capture the strength that he brings. But for me, the real result of this series that I wanted in your life, if you say, Christian, if you could have one thing out of this series, what do you want for the people in your church? It's this, I want you to be able to hear God speaking to you. That's the one thing I want from this series. It's my prayer that after this six weeks, 
you'll be able to say 2018 was the year I learned to hear God speak. Some of you are going to recognize he's always been speaking. You're just going to realize, wow, that was God. I want you to know when God is speaking to you. That's really, really important to me. And here's why. Pastor Dan last week challenged us to speak to our parish, our place of influence, our companies, our teams, our businesses, our families. He said it's our job to go speak to our parish. It's our job to speak to our place of influence about Jesus. But what we're going to learn today is we can't speak about Jesus until we've heard from Jesus. And we can't hear from Jesus until we learn how to hear from the Holy Spirit. So we're going to learn how to do that today a little bit in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 is a word from Jesus to his disciples. It's a word of encouragement for them to live fearlessly and impactfully. Perhaps that's the one thing God brought you here to say to you today. Maybe your sermon is already over because the only thing you needed to hear today was this. As a Christian, you're supposed to live fearlessly and impactfully. Maybe as a Christian, you've been living in fear. Maybe as a Christian, you haven't had impact. And the one thing God wanted to say to you today is, as a Christian, you are supposed to live fearlessly and impactfully. He's going to tell his disciples how to do that in Luke chapter 12. But he's going to tell them more. He's going to tell them how to hear God speaking to them. That's going to be our goal today. Before we dig in, can you just bow your heads real quick? And can you ask God? You know, you can always speak to God. He's always speaking to you. You can always speak to him. Would you ask God from your heart to heaven? Would you just whisper this prayer? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's my hope today that you don't hear a 35-minute sermon. It's my hope instead that you hear one thing from heaven. Nothing from me, but one thing from heaven that plants itself in your soul that you know is from God. So would you ask God to speak to you? Would you tell him you'll be listening? Would you just open your ears and your eyes to what he might have for you this morning? God, we're listening. Speak to our hearts. Interrupt this sermon, Lord, so that at some point the people stop hearing from me and they start hearing from you exactly what you've brought them, why you've brought them here, and what you need them to hear today. Speak to us, Lord, we're listening. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Luke 12, 6 says this, a word of encouragement to live fearlessly and impactfully. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. We see in Luke chapter 12, three answers to three questions that had not been asked yet, but every Christian asked at some point in their spiritual journey. Jesus, speaking to his followers, says you need to be aware of these three things because at some point you're going to wonder. The first question that maybe is your question today is this. Will God be with me if I try to have impact for him? Jesus said you're going to wonder. You're going to be encouraged to have impact for me, but you're going to wonder if I'll help you. The answer to that is yes, I will be with you. Anytime you're trying to have impact for me, I will be with you and I will help you. Some of you have the second question today. You're wondering if God will take care of you if you choose to live for him. 
If you change things in your life to do things the way God wants you to do them, will God really take care of you? If you arrange your family and your schedule and your finances and your beliefs around who God is, will God really take care of you? The answer to that question is yes, I take care of the birds, God says. Of course I'll take care of you. You're more important than they are. And then question three is kind of our money question today. Will God help me know what to say to others about him? Maybe you're saying last week, Pastor Dan Sutherland so encouraged me. I left and I wanted to go tell my whole parish about Jesus, but I didn't know what to say. I left and I felt like my family was my spiritual responsibility, but I didn't know what to say. I left and I felt like my college dorm was my responsibility, but I didn't know what to say. I've been challenged to speak up. I feel like at my office, I'm supposed to pastor people, but I don't know what to say. Maybe question three is yours. Will God help me know what to say? To others about him, the answer is yes. But particularly in this third question, the depth of the truth behind that yes, how God helps you, really kind of targets, brings two targets of this series together. Jesus says every Christian, I hope you heard it, will at some point be asked to speak up for him. He said, everyone who speaks up for me, I will speak up for in heaven. People who don't speak up for me, we're going to have to have a difficult conversation. Every Christian at some point will be asked to speak up for Jesus. He said, when that happens, I'll tell you what to say. Jesus' goal from this text is to get you ready to speak. My goal from this entire series is to get you ready to hear because we're going to find out that those two go together. And when you learn to hear from God, you are able to speak for God. So today's going to bring these two thoughts together. Jesus says, someday, if you aren't already, you're going to be asked to speak up about who he is. But you can only do that. You can only speak if you learn to hear. So let's look at three truths. How's it going to happen? How are we going to have influence and impact for Jesus speaking for him? Three things you need to see. Truth number one, you can only speak what you hear. Truth number one, you can only speak what you hear. In Luke chapter 12, halfway through verse 7, in verse 8 and verse 12, Jesus says you're going to be asked to speak up, but you need to know you can only speak what you hear. Look at verse 7. If you have a pen in your Bible open, you might underline these first three words because Jesus tells his disciples, don't be afraid. I always point this out when we run across this phrase because 365 times in the Bible, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation 22-21, the first and the last verse of the Bible, 365 times the Bible says, fear not or don't be afraid. It's almost as if God put that phrase into our calendar every day of your life because he knew at some point during your day you're going to fear something and you don't, be, don't need to be afraid. Maybe this is the thing God brought you to church today to hear. Don't be afraid. That business venture that you've been considering starting, don't be afraid. Doesn't mean it won't fail, but even if it fails, I'll be with you. Don't be afraid. The marriage things you're going through and you're wondering if I really lean close to Jesus, I'm not, am I going to be okay? Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Uh, that doesn't mean that everything's going to work out perfect, but it means you don't have to be afraid. I'll be with you. The financial difficulties you're facing right now, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. Just save like I tell you to save. Give like I tell you to save. Give. Spin like I tell you to spend. Don't be afraid. Just do what I ask you to do. Don't be afraid. 365 times, every one, like once a day for every day of your year, except a leap year, February 29th, be afraid. Every other time, every other date on the calendar, you could write. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also 
acknowledged before the son of angels. So he says, don't be afraid to speak up on my behalf. In verse 12, he says this. Here's why. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Don't be afraid to speak up for Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. You're going to be required to speak. But Jesus says you're only going to speak what you hear. You will speak. I don't know if you're like me. If you are, you're getting excited because Christmas is 44 days away. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. That means Christmas music is 12 days away because Thanksgiving's 11 days away. And everyone who loves Jesus sets their radio station the day after Thanksgiving to Christmas music. And they listen to it all the way through December 31. That's in the Bible somewhere. I'll find that and give it to you. Like, I love Christmas. I love Christmas lights. I love Christmas cookies. I just, I love Christmas. And at some point between the day after Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, I'll hear the golden pipes of Bing Crosby ask me this question on my radio. Do you hear what? I hear. Do you hear what I hear? Let me ask you a question. Do you hear? Have you heard this week? Do you plan to hear next week? God speaking to you. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear on a daily basis God telling you things? Do you hear what I hear? Did you this week hear God speak to you about something? Do you plan next week to hear God speaking to you about something? Do you hear what I hear? Because you can only speak what you hear. And all of us are listening to something. As a matter of fact, every moment of every day, you have to process between two inner voices, according to Scripture. Every day, there's a voice that wants to hinder you spiritually, and every day, there's a voice that wants to help you spiritually, and often, these voices are in direct competition with each other. One of them is a voice that carries with it the lies of the devil. In John 8, 44, Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. It's all he knows how to do. And in Revelation 12, 10, it says he uses those lies to make you feel accused and separated from Jesus and the love of God. Some of you this week have been listening to the lies of the devil, telling you that God won't help you, telling you God can't help you, telling you you can't trust God, telling you you're all alone, telling you there is no hope, there is no peace, there is no joy, there is no future. Those are not the words of God. Those are the lies of the devil, but they're there, and they're there to hinder you. Or you can listen to the truth of the gospel. Say, what's the truth of the gospel? It's the good news of who Jesus is. It's the good news of what Jesus did. It's the good news of where you stand with God because of that. The good news of the gospel is whispered into your ear with your loved, your adopted, your chosen. It was that song that we just sang. You're going to be okay because God is going to take care of you. Those are the words of the gospel. And when I counsel people, I always ask people, tell me what's going on in your life. They'll tell me what's going on in their life. And then I ask the key counseling question. I'll, I'll ask this. Tell me how you feel about that. And their answer tells me which voice they've been listening to. Because they will tell me feelings that are based on lies or they will tell me feelings that are based on truth and hope. When you ask people, tell me how you're feeling, tell me what you feel, they will speak what they hear and what they've chosen to believe about their situation because you can only speak what you hear. It's why Jesus said in John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit's speaking. Listen to him. But the advocate the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He'll remind you of everything that I have said to you. He's a talker. He speaks. And if we want to speak on Jesus' behalf, we can only speak what we hear, so we have to learn to listen. We want our church to be a kingdom of pastors and priests and ministers in our parishes. That's our goal. We want to be able to tell people about Jesus when it's time. But you can only speak what you hear. To put it another way, in this age of technology, you can only distribute what you download spiritually. And there are too many Christians who have a blank hard drive. 
you can only distribute what you've downloaded spiritually. You can only go back to the well of information that you've already put on index, the library of scripture in your heart, the library of Holy Spirit truth that you have. You can only download, you can only distribute what you download, and there are too many of us that have a blank hard drive. One of my favorite movies that I watched growing up was Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was young. Indiana Jones was a pretty big deal. One of my favorite scenes in Indiana Jones was when he was in this village and this guy jumped out with a sword and he's got a whip that he's been fighting everyone with. And this guy goes all kung fu with his sword and he kind of whips it around and does this cool stuff like, I'm going to kill you. And for those of you who have seen the movie, Indy doesn't eventually use a whip. What does he do? He takes out his gun and he's like, bang, you're dead. It's right, right? This guy, this guy has a sword and he's coming after him and he's dangerous. Except that Indy has a more powerful weapon. And every day the devil's coming after you with a sword of lies. He wants to cut up your heart. He wants to cut up your hope. He wants to cut up your joy. He wants to cut up your peace. He's coming after you to destroy you. And we, through the Holy Spirit, have the gun of the Holy Spirit to say, bang, you're dead. You go away. Like we don't even have to get within a sword's length of Satan if we have the truth that Scripture gives us. But J.D. Greer, in his book, Jesus Continued, it's one of the four books that I've used and relied on heavily for the research of this series. I talk about all four of these books on our podcast this week. Says that many Christians have the presence of God, but they lack the power of God because they never download the truth of God. And he says, having the presence of the Spirit without the power of the Scripture is like having a gun without bullets. So the Holy Spirit says, I'm here and I'm here to help you speak truth. Go ahead, speak truth. And you think, I don't know any. And the Holy Spirit says, what do you mean? I've given you all of this for your soul to download. At one point, we hear the Holy Spirit reminds us. It doesn't just tell us, it reminds us. Hey, remember that verse? It brings to recall things that we already know, things that we've studied, things we've put away. He said, having the Holy Spirit in your life without the power of the scriptures in your life. It's like having a gun without bullets when it's time to fight our own spiritual battles, when it's time to help other people fight their spiritual battles. We have no truth to download to them, to distribute to them, because we've not spent time putting it in our life. You say, well, how do I hear from the Holy Spirit? We see in the New Testament four primary sources of Holy Spirit downloads. This is where God speaks most often. This is where we're able to kind of catalog a library that God can call up through the Holy Spirit. The first is the scriptures. The first is the scriptures. And I want to say this bluntly, and I want to say it without apology. Please listen closely. If you are a Christian who wants to hear from God, you have to read your Bible. Right? Like, can I get an amen? Like, if you, if you are a Christian who wants to hear from God... You have to read your Bible. Those are the first words he's spoken to you. So I want to hear from God. Great. He wants to talk to you. Go read. The scriptures are the primary place Christians hear from God. You say, I've got a friend who needs help. Probably 90% of my ministry to our church happened, what happened yesterday, someone will text me and say, where is a verse about this? And I always want to text back and say, the Bible. But I don't because I know that they're in like some kind of, you know, difficult situation. So I will tell them because I've got a lot of, a lot catalog. Here's where that verse is. Go give it. They know the truth defeats lies. They just don't know the truth that defeats lies. So you have to read your Bible if you're a Christian. We see that God also downloads the Holy Spirit through sermons. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a preacher. 
In Romans 10, 9 through 10, we hear that salvation happens this way. People believe in their heart and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. But that only happens after God sends someone to preach to them. Because how can they hear that without a preacher? And how can anyone preach unless God says, you go tell them? So we know God uses sermons. He uses the local church to speak to people, to use the Holy Spirit to speak to people. 33% of the book of Acts are sermons. One out of every three words in the book of Acts is a sermon. God uses sermons. God uses church to take what he wants to say to people and kind of allow it to hit their heart. And if it works good, you never remember entire messages. Often, you don't even remember a point from the message. A point from the message allows God to say something totally different to your heart. And you think, man, I have people say all the time, when you said this in that message, and I say, I didn't say that in that message. They say, well, that's what I heard. And I say, good. That's because that's what God wanted to say to you in that message. God speaks through sermons. He also, number three, speaks through Bible study extras. So what's a Bible study extra? It would be like a devotional book you read. It would be like a verse of the day that you sign up to have emailed to you. It would be like a Bible app, and you ask the Bible app to send you a verse on trust every day for 30 days. It would be extra. It would be some kind of extra scripture in your life. We do this with our Activate podcast. You say, what's the purpose of the Activate podcast? Do you just like to talk, Pastor Christian? No, I don't just like to talk. But we try to provide more scripture because we believe if people will listen to more scripture, it just gives the Holy Spirit more room to speak one truth over you. Listen for 20 minutes, you get one thing. That's the thing the Holy Spirit wants to download to you. You can only speak what you hear. This week, one of my best friends in ministry texted me a picture of his devotional book. Reads his Bible, and then he does a devotional book every day. Texted me a picture of it and said, as I read this today, I felt like God said, you needed to read this today. So here's my devotions for this day. I took it up and I opened it, and it was exactly what I needed for what I was going through that day. He couldn't have spoken it to me had he not heard it for himself. Three hours later, I was sitting in a meeting with one of our staff members. They were pouring about their heart about something they were going through, and this devotional had all the answers. And I said, I've got to text you this thing somebody sent me because what he sent me I think actually might have been for you. It was for me, but it was also for you. And she read it and thought, that's, that's perfect. I couldn't have spoken it unless I heard it. I couldn't have heard it unless somebody else would have heard it. It was God speaking to people, through people, through these Bible study extras. And then number four is small group discussion. We read in the book of Acts that people, after they learn truth, would get together and say, I heard this. What did you hear? How did that work? And they would be amazed at the way the Holy Spirit was speaking to them all about different things in their life through the exact same sermon. Here's what you need to know. If you do these four things with a soft heart, you will always hear from God. If you will do these four things with a soft heart, speak to me, Lord, I'm listening. You will always hear from God. These are the four primary sources of the Holy Spirit downloads. But there's really one primary hindrance to Holy Spirit downloads that keeps us from this, and it's this, busyness. It's really the only one you need to know. When I talk to people about our church, about why they're not reading their Bibles, why they're not faithfully engaged in church, why they're not in a small group, men's group, women's group, Bible study, why they're not reading a devotion or doing extra, I very rarely have anyone say, I just don't care about that stuff. They all say this, I'm really busy. I intend to, I just, time got away from me. I didn't have to, it always ends up being a busyness issue. So we learn that we can only speak what we hear, but truth number two is really important. You will only hear when you stop. You can only speak what you hear, but you only hear when you stop. 
I grew up in a really small town in southern Ohio, 87 kids in my graduating class, which meant schools like mine, schools in the conference that I went to, had to pick and choose what sports they would have because they didn't have enough, we just didn't have enough people for all the sports. So in the fall, you either had football or soccer or cross country, but not one school in the area that I grew up in had football, soccer, and cross country. If you had three teams, you'd have no teams because there weren't enough boys for all the teams. Our school, our region kind of chose football, which meant soccer was the enemy of football. For me growing up, soccer was the enemy of football because if you had a soccer team, you couldn't have a football team. We all wanted one soccer player who could kick a football. That was it. Other than that, soccer had nothing to offer us. So I never, I never even watched a soccer game until I was in my late 30s. And then I started Journey, and some of my dearest friends at Journey were like soccer buffs. They, you know, had season tickets to Sporting KC, and they played soccer growing up, and they played soccer in college, and they said, we've got to teach you about real football, European football. And I said, okay, and I started going to some Sporting KC games with them, um, and, and I don't want to say I got hooked, but I got interested. Uh, I watched the Women's World Cup. I watched the Men's World Cup. Every now and then, I'd watch stuff on TV. I'll be aware of Sporting's playoff game today at 3 o'clock, just enough to be interested I'd never watched 90 minutes. It's really long to watch people run around the field. But near the end of the game, I kind of get locked in. And every now and then, the soccer games will go into stoppage time. You say, what's stoppage time? So here's what happens in soccer. It's really weird. People pretend to get hurt all the time. Like they will run into each other. They will fall down and they will look like they're dying. I mean, the first time I watched a soccer game, I thought, I think that guy's having a seizure. They need to help him. He said, give it a minute. And when no one came and waited on him, he just jumped up and he was like totally normal all over again. But when people act like they're hurt, they come and treat him for a couple minutes and they take all those extra minutes and they tack it on the end of the game. So when like the buzzer hits zero, the game's not really over. There's, there's some extra time, some stoppage time. And usually you don't know how much it is. Only the, like the head referee, the head official knows that. So if the game is tied or if there's a one goal differential at that point, it gets really interested because, like, you're really anxious. You know very soon they're going to run out of time, and what happens now could be critically important. If they, don't, if they don't score during stoppage time and the game is scored, then it goes to sudden death. Then it really gets exciting because next goal wins. There's something to win. There's something to lose. I mean, it's really exciting to watch a soccer match in overtime or in sudden death. At that point, I'll stop and watch. And what I've realized spiritually is a lot of people are not willing to ever stop spiritually unless it's sudden death. I mean, we know all this stuff is important spiritually. But unless there's something to really gain or something to really lose, we don't, ha- we don't have time for stoppage time. I spent Thursday night of last week with a family in our church, 41-year-old mom, who they had found a very fast-growing mass in her uterus that they did not know what it was. So they were doing emergency surgery to take it out in case it was the worst. So I spent my Thursday evening a couple weeks ago with Pastor Ryan and four other families just over there sitting and praying and talking and laughing and crying. Four families that were really close to anointing them with oil and praying. And as I was praying for her in this moment, I looked around at all these families who never have time to be together, really busy, but who on that night made time because all the stuff that leaves us no time is not really important in stoppage time. Like when it's sudden death, Like, it's funny how when it's sudden death, the things that rule our life won't even cause us to answer the phone when it's stoppage time. And as I was anointing this gal and I was praying for her, I felt like the Lord said, I want want you to thank me for that, what ended up being a fibroid mass benign. I want you to thank me for what's growing inside of her. 
because none of you would have made time to get together. This is your best evening of the week. You've been laughing together. You've been crying together. You've been having Christian community. None of you would have been here if I wouldn't have put this inside of her. So I want you to thank me for what's inside of her because this stoppage time has allowed your faith to grow and to be encouraged and to be, and to be strengthened. So I said, Lord, I want to thank you for whatever's growing inside. We pray it's benign. We want it to be removed. But none of us would have stopped our life for any other reason tonight except something this serious. So thank you for serious things. Every now and then we need to be reminded what's important, who's important. So thank you for stoppage time. It's why Jesus was constantly saying things like Luke 10, 41. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Like you are so worried about everything else that you don't have time for Jesus. It's why Jesus said things like Luke 21, 34. Watch yourselves lest your heart be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness in the cares of this life. We look at two of those and we're like, yeah, Christians shouldn't do that. Drunkenness is drunkenness. You're so drunk you don't have time for Jesus. The word dissipation when translated in the Greek means daily sexual immorality. We'd be like, yeah, Christians shouldn't do that. That'll separate them from Jesus. The third one is just other things that make you busy. And we look at drunkenness, well, that's bad. Daily sexual immorality, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Being so busy you don't have time for Jesus? Do we, do, I mean, do we see that that badly? That's why Jesus said in Luke 8, 14, every time the Holy Spirit tries to speak, some people get it, some people don't, most of them because they're too busy. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures and they don't mature. There's a lot of people who today in this room, according to Jesus in Luke 8, will hear God say something to your soul. And you might even commit to do something about it. But by the time you get home, life will have started up again and you just will be too busy to carry through your commitment. Unfortunately, a lot of us have learned to only be committed in crisis spiritually. And we know how to get committed. It just takes a crisis to get us there again. How many of you enjoyed the snow this week? I mean, I, like I love snow. I love winter. The only thing I hated about the snow is that I was in Kansas and Missouri and not Colorado. Like when there's snow on the ground, I want to be in the mountains. So as soon as it started snowing, I told Danielle, we should just get in our car and go. Like we should go to Breckenridge right now. And she was like, the kids have school and Christian has a football game. And I was like, none of that is important when it's snowing. Like we need to go to Colorado. And she's like, just relax. It's November 8th. Like I love snow. I love winter. I just, I love winter. And as I thought about driving to Colorado, I grew up in southern Ohio. My grandma and grandpa lived in Maryland. And when we would go to their house Thanksgiving and Christmas, we would have to take the West Virginia Turnpike. It was the first place that I learned what a runaway truck ramp looked like. Have you ever seen those driving to Colorado, like when you're driving in the mountains? I remember asking my dad, what are those, what are those things? Like, who would drive up there? And dad said, oh, that's, that's for trucks that lose their brakes. You know, if a truck's flying down this mountain, then their brakes kind of burn out. The only thing that will stop something going downhill really, really fast is basically to drive straight up a mountain that's so high that they can't get over it. Sometimes if you don't put a mountain in their way, they won't stop. And I thought, hmm, how often do we curse God for the mountains he puts in our path when all he's trying to do is slow us down because our brakes are gone? Because he's been warning us and warning us and warning us, slow down, slow down, stop, stop, stop. You lose your brakes, and we don't. So he has to throw a mountain right in front of our path that kind of stops everything. And when we say, why, God, instead of thank you, God, he says, do you not understand what I'm trying to do here? So often God tries to get our attention to life in life to slow down a little bit. But instead of slowing down, we just learn how to drive at a faster pace. Let me ask you this key question. When life moves too fast for spiritual growth, 
when your life moves too fast for spiritual impact. Don't have time to read the Bible. Don't have time to be in church. Don't have time to go to a small group. Don't have time to read a devotional. When life moves too fast for spiritual growth and spiritual impact, do you find yourself trying to adjust to the busyness, find a way around it, or trying to erase it? Like I said, so many of us have learned how to get really committed when a crisis comes, but if there's no crisis, we try, we try to drive as fast and as hard as we can and just try to catch God when the curves slow us down a little bit. You know, this, this past week, my little girl turned 15, and she got her driver's permit. And it made me reflect back to when Christian a few years ago turned 15 and got his driver's permit. And when we taught him to drive, he always wanted to learn in Danielle's car and not mine. And I finally asked him, he's like, why, why don't you like driving my car? And he's like, well, Dad, when, like, when you drive mom's car, like if you press the gas, you go. And if you press the brake, you stop. Um, and like your car, like, you know, when you press the brake, it takes a while to stop. So I just, it, I'm not as comfortable in it. And I'm like, yeah, but listen. There is a way you can stop in my car. Because I just hadn't had my brakes checked in a while. So I said, listen, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> you're going to press the brakes. And when you press the brakes, you're going to hear, hear a squeal. It's the brake pads. They don't work. Keep pressing. Um, <laughs> if you keep pressing, you're going to hear a grind. That's the rotors. Those don't work either. But keep pressing. Because after you get through the brake pads and the rotors that are worn out, eventually that car is going to stop. It's just going to take a little longer. And Danielle heard me telling this, telling Christian this one day, and she's like, like, are you, like, Christian, are you crazy? Like, you might have learned to drive your car that way. Christian is not going to drive your car that way. Like, you might get away with that, but, like, he will get in a wreck and get hurt. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I need to get my brakes fixed. Some of you have learned, you've adjusted to ignoring God telling you to slow down, and you're Okay. You have figured out how to drive so fast and hard spiritually. Reading your Bible once a week might be good for you. Reading, going to church once a month might be good for you. You know how to get committed in crisis. Listen, you've learned how to adjust to the craziness, but it's going to kill your kids. You have learned how to adjust to the craziness. It's going to kill your kids. Because you've had a lifetime of knowing who Jesus is to know when you can kind of touch and go and respond in crisis. But it's going to kill your kids. They can't drive at your level of faith. If they do, they'll never know Jesus like you got to know Jesus, which isn't at the pace you're currently running. Some of you are watching online right now. You're less than 10 minutes from this church, and you're watching online because it was easier today. You're in your pajamas. You're drinking your coffee. I'm glad we offer you that service. What are your kids doing spiritually today? What's your 9-year-old getting? What's your 11-year-old getting? You have found a way that's comfortable for you But how is this ride impacting your kids? Some of you are watching on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're listening to the podcast Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday because you chose to be at the Chiefs game today. You've learned how to get fed from a secondary basis. What's happening to your kids? What did your five-year-old learn about Jesus this week while you were tailgating because you can listen to the message on Thursday? At some point, you can only speak what you hear, but you can only hear when you stop. You think, well, I've got a way that works for me. And I hear the brakes squeal, but I know I've got rotors, and I hear the rotors grind. But I know, I mean, I know it takes me a little while longer to stop, but I'll be all right. You comfortable with your kids driving at your pace spiritually? Because you can only hear when you stop. And Scripture basically says this, pretty simple, be still. You want to know God? Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Some of you are saying, I can't do that. Let me be the voice of the next text. You won't have that. 
He's saying, I can't do that. You won't have that. If you can't be still, you can't know God. If you can't hear from God, you can't speak from God. But Jesus says one day you're going to have to speak and you need to open your mouth and the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. He'll use a lifetime of scripture. He'll use a lifetime of sermons. He'll use a daily devotional. He'll use small group discussions. Some of you think, I never feel like I hear him say anything. Because he's told you these are the four places that you hear, but you never go there to fill up. We're like people running around with empty water bottles. And God said, these, places, these filling stations will always be in your life. You can go fill up your bottle any day at any time. And some of you are saying, I'm still empty. And Jesus is saying, that's now on you. I've told you where you can fill up anytime, any day. Don't give me the empty bottle. If it's empty, it's because you've chosen not to fill it. God wants to use our church, I believe, as a kingdom of priests and pastors and ministers. But we can only speak what we hear and we will only hear when we stop, which means truth number three, we can only move forward spiritually by becoming experts at stopping. You say, isn't that a contradiction? Kind of, but no. You can only move forward spiritually by becoming an expert at stopping. If you were to ask me, hey, Christian, what's your prayer for our church? What's your prayer for our church? I would say, here's my prayer for you. Here's my prayer for me. It comes from a verse in Philippians chapter three, Paul's prayer for himself. Here's what I want for you. I want you to know Jesus. Like full stop, that's it. Christian, what do you want for our church? I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus so much that you become like Jesus. That's my goal for our church. If we get to the end and there's only 20 of us, but we all know Jesus and become like him, that's a win. If we get to the end and there are thousands of us, but we don't know Jesus enough to become like him, we have failed. We've missed the target. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 3, 10 and 11, one of my life verses, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. If you have a pen and a Bible and you're open to this by some way, these are, this, these are the key words right here, becoming like him. What's your goal for us, Christian? That you know Jesus so much that you become like him. That's my goal. That's the Holy Spirit's role. So I, I kind of like him in a, an associate to the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, his job every day of your life is to make you more like Jesus. Say, what's the Holy Spirit doing in my life today? He's figuring out how to make you more like Jesus. That's his job every day in your life. That's my goal for you if you go to our church, that you know Jesus so much you become like him. Because in Christianity, becoming is more important than doing. Becoming is more important than doing. You say, what do you mean becoming is more important than doing? We're raised in a world to do. So many of us consider ourselves human doings, not human beings, which is why when we have conversations with people, our first question is, what do you do? Right? We, like we are what we do. So in Christianity, that's carried over. All right, I want to know Jesus. What do I do? I want, I want to be like Jesus. What do I do? In Christianity, becoming is more important than doing. And sometimes we deceive ourselves. We try to shortcut spiritual growth by asking this question, okay, what do I do? I want to be like Jesus. Tell, tell me what to do, and I'll try to do it. It's not that simple. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had died. He'd been buried. He'd resurrected. He'd spent 40 days with his disciples. He was leaving. And they came to him and they said, okay, what, what do we do now? What do we do now? And look at his command for them. Acts 1-4. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem. 
But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He would go on to say it's the Holy Spirit. Jesus' first command to this new church that would be birthed when he left was this. Here was his first command. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Learn to do nothing until you've done nothing long enough to hear from the Holy Spirit. Then go do what he tells you to do. Learn to do nothing until you do nothing long enough to hear from the Holy Spirit. And then once you've learned that skill, go do whatever he tells you. And what does he tell you? Things that will help you become more like Jesus. See, our shortcuts to spiritual growth are what do I do? Go to church. Okay, I'll go to church. Listen, you can go to church every Sunday. If you're not becoming more like Jesus, you're missing the point. You can read your Bible every day. If you're not becoming more like Jesus, you're missing the point. The point is to hear from God in a way that helps us become more like Jesus. So key questions to real spiritual growth should sound like this. Who am I becoming? Who am I becoming? And would anyone who knew me before I was a Christian say that I am different in any way other than my calendar, my activity, my, my schedule? Would anyone who knew me before I was a Christian say I am a different person because of Jesus? Who am I becoming? There's actually a test that God gives us to show whether or not we are becoming more like Jesus. We'll take that next week. But it's not a test you can take on yourself because Paul said we're all bad judges of character and we would all rate ourselves higher than we actually are. So someone else has to judge you in these areas. They will tell you whether or not you're becoming more like Jesus. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. We'll look at those nine fruit next week and realize are we becoming more like Jesus according to the other people in our life? Who am I becoming? And then here's the question, how do I become more like Jesus? Who am I becoming and how do I become more like Jesus? Because we have to realize the purpose of all the spiritual activity that we take part in, going to church, reading our Bibles, going to small groups, the purpose of all our spiritual activity is an activation of Jesus' DNA in our lives. And so often we just want to check off a box. Oh, I read the Bible. Did you hear from God? Oh, I went to church. Did you hear from God? Oh, I went to small group. Did you hear from God? And are you doing what he told you to do so you can become more like Jesus? All of those things are simply to activate his DNA in your life. This wasn't the first time God gave people looking for something to do this instruction. Just wait until my spirit shows up. Then you'll know what to do. The first time was thousands of years earlier. There was a group of people in Egypt. They weren't a nation because they were slaves, but they were known as the Israelites. They'd been in slavery for 400 years. God sent them a deliverer named Moses to free them. There were 10 plagues that kind of came over the nation of Egypt until the Pharaoh said, all right, get out of here, leave. Three days into it, he changed his mind and said, no, come back. The Israelites found themselves with the Red Sea facing them in front of them, with the Egyptian army facing them behind them. They couldn't swim all the way across. They couldn't fight. They had no standing military. So they asked God, what do we do? God, what do we do? We can't swim across. We can't fight our way back. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And God said, nothing. Nothing. Learn to do nothing until the Spirit shows up, and then you'll know what to do. He said it this way in Exodus 14, 14. Sounds cooler from him. He said, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. God, what do we do? Learn to be still. But God, there's, there's pressure on me from behind. I said, I don't care. Learn to be still. But God, there's an ocean of an obstacle in front of me. God says, I don't care. Learn how to be still. Well, what will happen if I be still? What will happen if I do nothing? God said, it'll finally give me the opportunity to do something. 
until you are willing to be still, my spirit can't really begin to be active. So be still. Be still, wait on the spirit, and the spirit will show you what to do after that. This week, my goal is that the people of our church will learn to move forward spiritually by stopping. You say, stopping why? Learn to stop so you can listen. Learn to listen so you can speak. You say, what what am I supposed to say? I don't know. But read the Bible and you'll find out. What am I supposed to say? Stay engaged in Sunday sermons and you'll find out. But what am I supposed to say when I stop? What am I supposed to hear? I don't know. Start reading devotionals. God will point it out to you. Well, what does God want to say to me? I don't know. You got to go to small group and figure that out for yourself. It's how you become like Jesus and hear from them. Hear from him. Why? You say, why is that important? Because Jesus says he doesn't want you to be afraid. And he said, you can't be ashamed. And he said, we must not be silent. He says, it's really important for you to learn to hear from the Holy Spirit because you can't be afraid. You must not be ashamed and you cannot be silent. So you have to learn to speak, but you can only speak by learning to hear. And you only learn to hear by stopping. And you only hear a lot by becoming experts at stopping. Let me ask you a question as we close. Do you think... God wants everyone in our community to know about Jesus, yes or no? How's it going to happen if we don't tell them? And how will we know what to tell them if we don't stop long enough to listen? And do it consistently enough that we build up this massive library of truth. That when it's time, God says, pull up that verse. Pull up that verse. Pull up that story. Pull up that thought. And all of a sudden, our vocabulary becomes littered with scripture, with sermons, with devotional thoughts with small group things that we've pulled out. All of a sudden, we have this rich library of Holy Spirit speak in our lives that we can give to others. God wants our community to know about him. This is how it's gonna happen. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we consider that?